What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marcus. And I'm your host, B. Reed. What's going on, man? Whole bunch of nothing. How about yourself? Oh, you know, just waiting for the weekend. Gary go tear up um, Memphis and Nashville this weekend. They're gonna put my 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 fate my pictures on the walls. Don't they won't let me back? That's for sure. So, aren't you from there? From Memphis? Yeah, they'll never they'll never kick me out of Memphis. But Nashville, <laughs> they will kick me out in a heartbeat. So, is Nashville fun? It can be if you know where to go. Um, you know, if I mean, unless you want to stay on Broadway, which is like their Dixon Street down here, or you know, Sixth Street in Austin, wherever y'all motherfuckers out there live. Um, it's it's just basically that. But yeah, there, there's a lot of cool bars up there. Yeah, I'm not in the bar, so probably wouldn't be fun for me. Yeah, you into the the drinking home alone in your tears, the saltiness. No tears, but definitely drinking home alone. You ever watch that show Corporate? Uh-uh. Oh, man, you should watch it. It's hilarious. But they had an episode about that. At what point did you realize that you would rather be at home than being out? <laughs> you know. I mean, so. I'm usually at that that uh, at that point, but it's gonna be my last hurrah in the South for a little while. So I figure I might as well make the most of it. Yeah. Well, you got to do that. Um. All right, Don't man. Get arrested. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, yeah, no, I ain't never that crazy. Um, May not be your last to raw in the south, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a weekend, so I gotta stay till Monday. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Um, all right, man, let's get to to uh, this weekend's past games. Everyone has talked about this at nauseum already, um, so we don't have to spend a ton of time on it. But it turns out that, uh, as I was calling you yesterday, Prophet Beatty was correct in his Super Bowl pick. One of them by the by the uh, outside interference of, of referees. Blah. That's just an excuse, man. They had a chance. They had the ball in overtime. Drew Brees decided to throw a Hail Mary on first down, and Michael Thomas decided to pull a James Harden and flop. So you can talk about the call all you want. They got a chance. They won the coin toss. They could have won that game. Man, I but that that blatant no call with a ref sitting there looking. I mean, that was that was that's probably the as as someone who hates the Patriots and has sat in the, the tuck rule still makes my blood boil. And that was probably the worst call in NFL history, in my opinion. That is now number two to the uh, to the Saints no pass interference call on Tommy Lee Lewis. I mean, that was in. Saying, and inexcusable. I mean, that that should cost somebody a job. Well, number one, his name is Tommy Lee Lewis, and nobody even knows who that dude is, so you don't get the respect of a call, first and foremost. But that blatant, though? <laughs> I mean, no, come on, no, man. Tommy Lee, he didn't even do – they probably thought the dude was on the sideline where he always is. <laughs> so, can't blame the ref. Well, man, I ain't trying to hear that. That's... And then, man, so this is my problem with the whole thing. You know, people are just now watching football because of the playoffs. So everybody's going crazy. This is the most, this is the worst call I've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. If you've been watching any NFL this year, all of the refereeing has been horrific all year. This is totally in line with everything that I've seen this year. I mean, I've seen, we talked about early in the podcast where a couple of those Chargers games, like both tackles were jumping False starting like a whole second before the snap. The defense stopped, and Phillip Rivers throws a touchdown in like two consecutive weeks. So if they're using this L.A. crew, then I'm not surprised because those West Coast crews been messing up all year. So I'm not that surprised by that. The second thing is they missed a blatant face mask call in the drive before on Jared Goff. If you give them that call, then they got first and goal on the two-yard line instead of third down on, like, the three-yard line. That's a big difference. So instead of the Rams taking a field goal, they probably push it in for a touchdown. So we can nitpick over this call, that call, this call more blatant, blah, blah, blah. End of the day, it was 0-0 in overtime, and the Saints fucked up. I mean, I agree with you. I think the Saints should have won the game. Um, I think that. They really, they really blew it. Uh, you know, it was their game to win. But I also think that the Rams are the better team. I mean, the Saints got off to a hot start. Um, and as we talked about last week, I mean, Michael Thomas was invisible. I think he had four catches for 36 yards or something like that. Um, 
you know, so you know, Kamara really didn't do much. I don't even think they ran Ingram very much. It it just was a very, you know, it wasn't a very well coached game by the Saints. Sean Payton was very conservative, which is unlike him. Um, and the the Rams came and they took that game. So I mean, while I do think that was one of the worst calls I've ever seen, I also think that um, you know, Saints had other opportunities to win that game. Yeah, it seems like the only thing that really worked for them on offense was Alvin Kamara on the linebackers. Um, the linebackers for the Rams were just way too slow for them. And then anytime they were running Kamara out the backfield against a safety. So that's probably going to come to bite the Rams in the ass in the Super Bowl because playing against Tom Brady and James White and not being able to cover running backs out the backfield, that's going to be a major problem. But we'll get to that when we get into the predictions. End of the day, I think that the Saints just blew it again, man. They had chances. They had opportunities. They got off to a fast start, and they just didn't close just like they didn't last year. Last year, they had a game wrapped up against Minnesota, and then your safety gives up a 50-yard touchdown or something. So, I mean, they just have problems closing the game. I mean, Sean Payton won that Super Bowl, but now it might be time to start looking at him like Bob Stoops and Andy Reid. Maybe he just doesn't get it done in the clutch. I don't know that I'm willing to go that far because I do think that Sean Payton's a great coach. I, I think that as long as Drew Brees is there, you keep him and Sean Payton together. Now, maybe once Drew Brees retires or if they get another bad beat like this next year, maybe that's something to consider. But, I mean, I, I couldn't I, – I would not be on board with breaking, you know, that team up, you know, which is essentially Bro, what you'd be doing. Bob Stoops won one in, like, 2009 and then failed all the way <laughs> up until he retired. How's that different from what Sean Stoops Payton did? 2000 or whatever it was. Yeah, 2000, whatever. But he didn't win after. They went to a lot of – Yeah, but we don't ch- call him Big Game Sean. Like, they called him Big Game Bob for no reason. The only big game he ever had was getting blown the smithereens by USC every other year. So like, well, that was only one year. Don't 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 add to the. I'm narrative. pretty sure they got their ass beat by USC like two or three years. No, nope, I was there they're wrong. Jason they White once. Jason once. White got smoked uh, once. They beat beat them. They uh USC beat them once. LSU beat them once. Florida beat them once. It was not USC in consecutive years. Get your facts right, sir. Well, either way, they got they got mollywopped every single year. So, um. Yeah, but we don't we don't call Sean Sean Payton big game Sean. I mean, you know what I mean. We expect the Saints to be better than they they have been more consistently. But I I don't think it's time to fire him. He is one of the best coaches in the NFL. No, I didn't say fire him. I mean, you can you can definitely do worse. It's a it's a long drop down to Hugh Jackson. I'm just saying maybe we need to start you know looking at Sean Payton with the side eye about being a great coach because he's not a great finisher. He hadn't shown that his teams are great finishers. I mean, they're they're regular season teams. They put up a lot of yards, but that that wears down. I mean, every year you see it wear down. Um, last year it started off slow, it got hot, and then it it wears down, man. You can beat them in the playoffs. You can pound them. There's so many different ways you can beat the Saints. That Saints offense hadn't looked the same since like week fourteen. So let's get to the other side of the coin. Um, we've got the New England Patriots. Excuse me. Um, that went and. Um, we had a good game, man. It was a really good game that uh, um, Patriots versus the Chiefs. Um, was it a classic? I don't know about that. I, Overtime. Yeah, I mean, but so was the first game. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a classic. It was a it was a great game. I barely remember it already, but uh, <laughs> I remember that you know uh, Patrick Mahomes is the future. I mean that dude that dude is the truth. Um, I think he's the next great quarterback, and as a as a fan of a team that's in that division, I really do not like seeing that. Um, you know, I, to to have to see Patrick Mahomes twice a year. I mean, the guy's incredible. He really is. Yeah, I mean, he had a really good year, but I mean, we've seen this from young quarterbacks before. So for me to say like, you know, it's guaranteed that he's going to continue this, you can't really say that because Aaron Rodgers had a magical year and then kind of disappeared. Because in the NFL, it's all about the talent around you. Um, they're benefiting right now for having Patrick Mahomes on a rookie contract, but they're planning on giving him $40 million, $200 million. So after they do that, it's going to be very interesting if he can continue to lead the team like, say, a Russell Westbrook or can the organization continue to build around him like the Patriots. But as far as just quarterback play on the field, he's definitely the real deal. It's kind of how I thought it would go. I mean, it would be a shootout. I I thought Tom Brady would end up with the ball, and you have to finish him. That's how you get your legacy. If you really want to surpass Tom Brady, you have to do what Nick Foles did and beat him in a shootout. And 
unfortunately, Patrick Mahomes can't play defense. So, and that's the Chiefs' biggest issue. I, and you know, you keep hearing all these people saying that they're going to draft a running back in the draft, but I mean that makes no sense when you've got um, you you got to you have so many holes on that defense. It's it's insane. I mean, well, you can still draft a running back. This isn't the draft where you're going to get a Saquon Barkley anyway. There's going to be a ton of running backs that fall, you know, down in the third, fourth, fifth round that have been productive in college. I don't think you need to jump and get a running back in this draft. I only think there's probably one or two running backs. And it might have been three if Bryce Love didn't tear his ACL, which brings question marks. But you definitely need to focus on defense. You need to focus on that secondary after trading Marcus Peters. You saw that that secondary is really in trouble. Those linebackers are old. So, yeah, they need to focus on defense. But in NFL draft, I mean, you take the best talent on the board. I don't think you go in saying, hey, I'm going to draft defense or, hey, I'm going to draft offense. Whoever falls to you, you take the best talent on the board. Yeah, I agree with you, especially in the first round. Um, you know, I, I, I am a – I always think you take you know best player available, especially when it's a defensive draft. For me, I always take the best defensive player available in the first couple of rounds. That's just how I would roll. But uh, we've had this conversation neither here nor there. Um, so, what do you think of the Patriots? Um, what does this do? I mean, you know, Tom Tom Brown Tom Brown Tom Brady's legacy is submitted, um, cemented. Uh, we we know. I mean, there's nothing that could happen that will stop me from thinking he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, do you think, um, you know, what what does this do for him besides giving him that sixth ring? I saw some kind of stat on Instagram. I don't know if it's true, but it said that they've been to the Super Bowl nine times, and that's more than any other franchise. I mean, what he's doing and the consistency that they put up is incredible. Um, they're what five and three already, mm-hmm. so this could be the sixth ring that they can get if he gets six and he's six and three in Super Bowls. That's just amazing, man. So, not only has he cemented himself, if I don't know what the argument would be of him not being the greatest quarterback, there's but still cats con- out there that, that say he's not, and I, I just yeah, don't understand it. Yeah, it's crazy because I mean, I don't think he's gonna retire next year, so. Going 60%, you know what I mean? Was that 60, 70% in Super Bowls, getting to nine, winning six? I mean, that's just a crazy, crazy number. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. He's not only is he the greatest, but he's continuing to build on his legacy. And I'm not sure if this will ever be touched with the salary cap era. And teams just don't build like this, man. <laughs> they just go show this type of consistency in an NFL. The last time we seen this might have been Dallas. When they won three in a row in the nineties, yeah, and Matt, you see what I happened. Think it's to even them. longer than that, maybe like the Steelers of the seventies, like to where you've had that consistent. I mean, because Dallas only won three. You know, Pittsburgh went to four, won four, and I think they went to like six or something uh, in the seventies. So, yeah, you just don't see this type of dominance. I mean, this has been over a couple of decades, yeah, two too. years, <laughs> twenty years, basically. Yeah, this is a twenty-year run in the NFL, and we're talking about with injuries and the way the game is played. And this is on, like, two different styles. This is two different styles of football. You can say, oh, he's in this era of passing. Well, he was in it before it was just, you know, all passing, too. So, I mean, uh, the greatest show on turf was probably the beginning, but the whole NFL hadn't converted to that yet. So, I mean, it's pretty amazing what they're doing. I do want to say something, though. I, I I hate the Patriots. I do. But I respect greatness. And, man, I and I'm not saying I'm rooting for the Patriots, but – I, it's the same thing with LeBron James to me. Like, if no matter what's going on, you just have to respect how great the the Patriots have been. Like, and you have to res- respect how great LeBron James has been on that same token. I mean, that longevity to do with with what the Patriots have done, like you said, over a twenty year period, pretty much. I mean, it's crazy. It's like the Spurs. I mean, same thing. I mean, it just you have to you really have to respect greatness. I mean, it's just it's unprecedented. You don't see yeah, stuff like this to, again. You, you have to respect it, but you don't have to respect it in the moment, in my opinion. I mean, there's going to be a time where you can sit back and reflect on how great Tom Brady is, on how great the Patriots are. And whoever the doubters are, I mean, you're just doubting it because it's continuing to happen. You're sick of seeing them. It's like the Alabama haters. I mean, you just get sick of seeing them every single year. So it brings you satisfaction when a Clemson beats them or Eagles beat the Pats next year. But you know what happens? Next year, they just end up back in the championship game, back in the Super Right. So, I mean, does it makes you feel good for like, you know, six to eight months or something like that. But 
They're right back there every year, that chain of success. But I don't have to respect it right now. I mean, there'll be plenty of time when they retire and they're done. I'll be like, man, you know what? That Patriots team was really good. But I'm not going to do it right now. At this point, I hate Tom Brady. I, I hope somehow the Rams can beat him. That will bring me satisfaction. And just like I used to hate Kobe and the Lakers, I never really hated San Antonio. But in saying that, isn't it funny that San Antonio's championships hadn't really aged like other championship teams? Like, people don't still don't sit back and say, you know what, Tim Duncan was the greatest. Or, you know, that San Antonio team may have been better than the Lakers. Everyone still goes to the glory of the Lakers and Kobe Bryant. I mean, we'll get to that in a second. Because I, 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 you know, I do think that you're right that those championships don't, resonate but i think with diehard nba fans we know how good the spurs were we know how good tim duncan was um real quick i, I do want to say before we move on to the nba i you and i are in a couple of different or we're in a group chat and um you know for our fans football league and we all talk about the games in there i do get tired and you saw it all over the internet and, and a couple different chats i get tired of people bitching about how these calls are favoring the Patriots. Now, I I think the refereeing is obviously an atrocity in general, but for the most part, that game was pretty well called. I mean, there uh, you know there was a, a a call on Tom Brady, a rough in the passer call that went in favor of the Patriots. That was complete and utter horseshit. But other than that, like people were complaining about the catch, Julian Edelman, um, you know, touching the punt when it was pretty obvious that he didn't after all the camera angles and then you know chris hogan made this insane one-handed catch that people were bitching about like oh they always get all these calls in favor of the patriots what are y'all complaining about (laughs) like those were i thought they were good calls yeah that's that's the funny thing i mean you had the uh atrocious call against the saints and you're not hearing it well i guess you do see the todd Gurley with the refs thing going too funny so that's funny. funny but uh yeah overwhelmingly there was still more talk about the patriots getting the call and like you said Largely, I think most of those are right. Even the the um pass, even the um roughing the passer call that Tom Brady got. I mean, that's pretty consistent with what they've been doing all year. You know what I mean? So that's not even horrible in favor of the Pats because I think Patrick Mahomes got something similar early in the game. It's just consistent what they were doing with quarterbacks. I don't think anything in that game was like, oh, my God, the referees, the Pats got them on payroll. It's just because they were reviewable calls and they went their way. But I don't think anyone has a fair argument that they shouldn't have went the went the Pats way. So I don't un- really understand what the problem is. They just won that game. They did the opposite of what the Saints did, and they played a tough game. They went to overtime. They got the ball, and they finished. I mean, you know, I mean, if Tom Brady has the ball, that's how dangerous this dude is. If this dude, if you score to take the lead, and it's like a minute on the clock, the first thing people say is, oh, you left too much time. Right, <laughs> I mean, exactly, every time. A minute. Every a minute time, to yeah. go – 80 or 90 yards down the field, it's already, up. Oh, you gave him too much time. Y'all are going to lose. That's the feeling every time that you leave any time on the clock. So it's just incredible, man. It's just incredible. I don't even know what to say. But that goes back to what we talked about. If if the um, Chiefs would have had a better run game, maybe they could have took more time off the clock and felt better about running the ball more and killing some more clock. But, I mean, you got to take you got to take the points, man. You can't settle. You gotta you gotta go get the points whenever you can get them, and then trust your defense. Yeah. Um, so, I guess we'll we'll probably have a podcast going next week. Um, so there's really no reason to to make a prediction. But what you got in the Super Bowl? Oh, definitely. I think I think the Pats are gonna blow them down. We can go blow them out, blow them out. We can go into more details about that. But let's get down to breaking down the Pro Bowl game. Oh God. Let me ask you this. Uh, <laughs> Exactly how many minutes of the Pro Bowl are you going to watch? Can you even name 10 Pro Bowlers? No, I cannot. I, can't I could guess. I could take, like, great guesses to hope that they're in there, and I'd probably be right because, you know, like the 15th person in every position gets in because people don't really want to play in. So I'm pretty confident I could name 10 just off the top of my I mean, head. I, when was the last time you watched the Pro Bowl? Um... It's been at least five years. Shit, the, I think the last time I watched Pro Bowl, Sean Taylor laid out that punter. <laughs> that was that was probably the last time I watched Pro Bowl, and that had to be at least shit twelve years ago. Yeah, I, I don't know. I never watched a Pro Bowl, even when it was kind of popular. I only watched like the skills maybe challenge a half. is fun, but that, I don't watch Pro Bowl ever. Yeah, I mean, I like to I like the um, games and stuff, and I thought that the games and stuff came on Saturday. Apparently, they come on like. On Thursdays now? Oh, like tonight? 
I saw a commercial saying like something about the Pro Bowl event or be on tonight or something. That's insanely arrogant because I will be watching the NBA on TNT. That's what I do on Thursday nights. So maybe it comes on at like four or something. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Uh, It's a ridiculous game. They should just they should just release a list. You know what I'm saying? Never mind. I just looked at the at the schedule for the uh, TNT games tonight. I ain't watching that shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> maybe they knew the same thing maybe it's golden state washington minnesota la no thanks i'll pass yeah, that's, um that's, that's gonna minnesota right, la might be a good game just because they're two kind of terrible teams but no nah, no lonzo no no lebron no thanks I, i'm not what about lance stevenson oh yeah my favorite you're not watching born ready javel <laughs> mcgee that doesn't michael beasley Ugh. that doesn't tickle your fancy at all not at all. Uh, the return of Rajon Rondo. Man, I'm like Charles Barkley, and he gets paid to do it for a living, and I don't. So if Charles Barkley don't watch bad basketball, I ain't watching bad basketball. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Ernie. I do not watch bad teams play basketball, and that's that's. And he don't bullshit because he don't know half the players on some of these teams. <laughs> well, I'm convinced Charles Barkley doesn't watch basketball at all. The all-time worst thing that they do is when they put Charles Barkley on college basketball games during the during March Madness. It's just it can't ridiculous. it can't be worse than uh uh Bill Walton. God, Bill Walton is the absolute yeah, worst. Yeah, he's he's bad, but he's just like yeah, he, he's 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 really bad. But at least he knows the players. He just wants to tell like old stories that no one gives a shit about. Like Barkley literally has no clue of any player playing. Uh-uh. He has no clue of how college basketball is even played today. It's just the most ridiculous things that you can think of. Like, dude, go doing a layup. He's calling Ginobili. It's just <laughs> totally insane. I don't know why they put him on there every year. Uh, all right, man, let's talk a little bit about the NBA. We've got what's going on with James Harden. You and I have, have two different perspectives of what's going on right now. Um, I think what he's doing is I asked a question, and I was ridiculed for it, and I don't appreciate it. Uh he, I think, is the. I think he's the second best offensive guard I've ever seen. I think he's better than Kobe on offense, not as a complete player. I just mean on offense. What he's doing is something I. Maybe since Michael, I've not seen anything like what this cat is doing right now. So I, I think you misinterpret what I say about James Harden. You like, said he sucks. James, that's not what I said. James Harden is an incredible player. What James Harden is doing right now is incredible. Like, it's an incredible run. It's great. But I think we're all victims of the moment in watching it and saying, oh, he's the second best offensive player of all time. Oh, this is this, that, and that. We have to understand that not only are the rules completely different, we're, we're talking about hand checking. Okay. Last year they took away hand checking and the dude was incredible. Now, this time, they've taken away the freedom of movement. Everything that they've put in has benefiting his flopping techniques to the point now you can't even get within a feet, a foot of him. You got dudes guarding him with your hands behind his, which, with their hands behind their backs because if he just throws his arms into you, you get a foul. He's shooting 22 to 30 free throws a night. So, yeah, on the one hand, is what he's doing is incredible, but... It makes it a lot easier when dudes know they can't even touch you. They can't get in the vicinity of you. So you put that in context of a Jordan or a Kobe playing in a time where there was hand checking and people could play physical and they could knock you down in the lane. It's totally well, different. Well, they, it- they eliminated hand checking in like 04. Yeah, they did, but it wasn't like, I mean, so you, I'm talking about some Jordan. They had hand checking and physical play. Right. They eliminated hand checking, but you could still play physical. Like, you still have players like Tony Allen and, you know, James Posey. Those were physical players. So, although you eliminate, eliminated hand-checking, it wasn't completely eliminated. You could put your hands on them. You could kind of move them where you wanted to go. There was no freedom of movement rules. So, when they're running around screens, they're pulling them. It was a lot more physical game in 2004 than it is today. It was a lot more physical game in 2010 than it is today. I do think that a transcendent player is going to be a transcendent player. I mean, I, I just think that. Like, a lot of cats say, like, oh, you know, us old heads are like, you know, oh, you know, no way could Curry play back then in the 90s or, or Harden or, I mean, the, or LeBron couldn't play back then. You're crazy. <laughs> like, and I know you didn't say that, but, like, I mean, I think he would be great no matter what era. He's a transcendent player. Now, if it was Eric Gordon, I'd be like, yeah, Eric Gordon would be a bench player back then. But 
Harden. I don't agree with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like you know, what I mean, like Harden would be a star, no matter no, I, what. I, I totally agree with that. I'm just saying we have to keep in perspective of what he's doing. It's a lot easier to score. It's a lot like when um, you talk about receivers today. Like the, your average receiver is getting, you know, a thousand yards easily because you can't touch them. I mean, you got free releases everywhere. I mean, it's so so. It's the same context. And what I say is, um, I gave you this example in text message. If you have a Texas Tech quarterback who can throw for four thousand yards and never make the NFL, then you take Drew Brees and you put him in that offense. He's going to throw for 7,000 yards. It's going to be incredible. He's going to break every record that you can break. So you had that D'Antoni offense, which had Jeremy Lin that made him look like he was probably the, the fifth best player in the NBA that year, <laughs> and he averaged 30, unstoppable. You take Jeremy Lin out of that offense and you insert James Harden, and then you change the rules where you can't touch him, you can't touch him off the ball, it's the freedom of movement, you literally don't even have big men under the goal anymore, and you put James Harden in the offense. What do we expect? And then when you have off nights, he goes to the free throw line 30 times. Like, something has to be done about that rule. I mean, they changed Kevin Kevin Durant's swipe through move to make it not free throws. They changed a couple other guys' moves where they get free throws. But every year, they just makes it make it easier for him to get to the free throw line. At some point, he has to earn his shots, man. So, all right. I still, I still stand by. And I'm not typically a prisoner of the moment kind of guy. But... I, I stand by him being a better offensive player than Kobe. I just do. Um, more efficient. And, and I get what everyone says. Yeah, Kobe can get to the cup at will, but so can James Harden, man. And I Kobe dropped 81 points and shot 50%. Right, yeah. I mean, there's no – but And he wasn't shooting nearly the amount of free throws. Like, Kobe averaged 35 in a season, too. Right. He I, wasn't shooting nearly the amount of free throws that James Harden is shooting. So saying that, that I mean, it's just a spread out offensive game. If you change out – James Harden right now and put Kobe in that system, do you think that he would do worse than James Harden? Maybe not from a scoring perspective, but from an all-around offensive perspective, yeah, I do, because Kobe doesn't rebound. I mean, James Harden doesn't rebound a ton, but he rebounds, and Kobe doesn't pass the, the ball at all. Like, I mean, but James Kobe Harden could. Can... They, said, they said that to Kobe. It's kind of like when you talk about with Jordan. They said that to Kobe, and then he went for like two months and averaged 11, 12 assists a game. But you put them in that system where you literally, that's the read. It's pick and roll, and you either pass it or you go to the rim. I think he does the exact same thing. Um, James Harden cannot post up like Kobe. Kobe can score everywhere on the on the court. doesn't matter if you're playing I physical. It doesn't matter what you do. If you're talking about all-around offensive player, Kobe Bryant's an all-around offensive player. He's a better player. James Harden is in a better system. He's in a better time in the NBA, so it looks better. But he is but no way But you're better. also making my argument for, and by the way, listeners out there, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, we're about to get into some real deep NBA talk. So if NBA is not your thing, I guess we'll see you next week. Because uh, <laughs> I want to I say something. This is why I'm not impressed with Russell Westbrook's averaging a triple-double because I, I realized when Markel Fultz got a triple-double last year, um that and then it was right after Lonzo got one whatever the case was like it's easy to get a triple double in today's NBA it just is you could not do like Jason Kidd would run amok in today's NBA he just would I mean this he would I I would put money on Jason Kidd in his prime averaging a triple double right now but I could not sit and tell you that Russell Westbrook could get could average a triple double in the 90s early 2000s there's just no way he could the only the only argument that you got against that is his rebounds, and you, well, it you is say just that, the rebounds. You're right. That, that's the only argument that you got is that his rebounds, and I don't even see how you can say that with how explosive he is. I mean, if, I mean, I'm not saying that he would be getting 20, 15, 20 rebounds, but he could easily get 20, 20, 10 rebounds. I mean, that dude is explosive. He has a 40 that. inch vertical. He's fast. He's quick. Nobody can put a body on him. The way he gets to the rim is faster than probably anybody in the NBA. So if the only thing you're taking from scoring, he can get 10 with ease. Right. Assist, we know he can get that. So you're just saying he can't get 10 rebounds. Rebounds is nothing but I'm effort, saying man. averaging 10 rebounds. When you got Dale Davis and, and you know, like a bunch of Sean Kemp, you got some power forwards in there who who want – Charles Barkley, I wish – I wish or Carl Malone, they would – there ain't no way they'd let a little guard come. Kevin Garnett ain't happening. It's not so happening. This is, this is my issue is – the same people that'll say that about Westbrook will be impressed with Harden. 
So you're basically getting impressed by Harden doing something that several guys have done in an easier NBA, but you're not impressed by several Westbrook. Guys, name him. I've never seen what, what Harden's doing. Name him. Will Chamberlain. Come on, man. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, he got every scoring record imaginable. I, I understand the, that. They just I showed said, James Harden 40-point games, like, and it was like 30, and his was like 515. <laughs> You dumb as hell. Okay, obviously, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> Will. <laughs> I just mean like you. You said just, like what he's doing is like you said, Jeremy Lin. Oh, Jeremy Lin could do this in this offense. No, he couldn't. Okay, bro. I'm saying I'm not saying that he could do this. I'm saying we've seen Jeremy Lin average like thirty in this offense. So I'm not saying he can't put. He's not gonna be James Harden and average forty for a set thirty five. But we've literally seen Jeremy Lin. Average like thirty five seven and seven in this offense. Like it's not it's not enough, nothing I'm making up. He averaged like thirty in this offense. For two weeks. He no, it was like two months. No, it was it like wasn't. three months. He got a whole new contract off of that. The only reason the games that he didn't score that much was when they tried to when um Carmelo Anthony got mad and they tried to incorporate him a couple of games. But take out Carmelo Anthony, that dude averaged like thirty. He got a whole new contract off. Like people were fighting for his rights. They thought he was the next big thing. They thought he was Harden off, off that offensive long line. I don't think Jeremy Lin has averaged over 15 points since then. So you can't tell me the system doesn't show you that. And then you got Russell Westbrook who's doing something that only one person has done in the history of the NBA, but now he's doing it for a second straight season. It's been, what, 50 years for somebody to average a triple-double, and he's done it, this is his second straight season, and he does it with ease. Nah, I'm not impressed. But you're impressed with Harden when nobody can, when you literally got to, you can't breathe on the dude. Like the dude, <laughs> you've watched those games, bro. We talked about it several times. You you can't even watch Houston games because of it. You damn right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even, it's so annoying for anybody that loves basketball to watch James Harden literally fall down every play and go to the free throw line. After, like he, after spending, uh, what twenty of the twenty four seconds dribbling the ball out of the air between him and Chris Paul? Man, it's, it's it's bad, man. I I was so happy the other day when I watched him play Philly and play a dude like Corey Brewer who has nothing but fouls to give. You know what I mean? That his whole goal he don't want to score. All he wants to do is annoy the hell out of James Harden. <laughs> and he did. I, and, and he did every second of the game. And now James Harden still dropped like thirty five on him, and it was a bad game. But still, it was the most satisfactory game that I've watched between Houston and any other opponent. Between Corey Brewer and James Hart, I mean, Joel Embiid, I love that. I wish more teams would play him like that. Just put a dude off the bench that does nothing other than harass James Harden. And the good thing about Philly is they got two dudes. You throw in TJ McConnell, he'll do the same thing. Just harass that dude all game. That's your job. I will say it is a shame that we don't have uh, James Posey or Tony Allen. Tony Allen would uh, Tony Allen would have a field day <laughs> with with James Harden. Just just piss him off the entire time. Like a dude that just, I mean, you know, that's what I like about Corey Brewer. He's that type. You know, I ain't trying to score. I ain't trying to not burn my energy. I'm gonna pick you up full court every time. James Harden was, <laughs> had fallen on the ground and and. Uh, Corey Brewer was still playing defense on this man. Yeah, yeah. lock him up, man. <laughs> Don't give him nothing. He was guarding him in the parking lot. So dude was laying flat on the ground, complaining to the ref. <laughs> Corey Brewer was in the defensive stand, denying the ball like they're gonna, <laughs> like they're gonna throw him the ball flat on his back. <laughs> oh, it's great. Um, yeah. All right, Shout man. Out to Corey Brewer. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on. So, it's it's your standard right before All Star break. Um, NBA, there's not a ton going on, but Blake Griffin is not a happy man in, in Detroit right now. Um, the Pistons stink. He's great, but the Pistons are are an absolute mess. And what went on yesterday um, after the the Pistons won a game, basically Blake Griffin's in the middle of a press conference saying <laughs> that um, we got to do better. We got to we can't lose focus. Um, this has been costing us games. And all of a sudden, and this is after a win. After a win. And then all of a sudden, Reggie Jackson's dumbass comes up and photobombs the the interview, and Blake Griffin just basically stonewalled him. Um, <laughs> and it couldn't have come at a worse time. I, yeah. What do you it, do? It, it's kind of it kind of illustrates the team as a whole 
I mean, this is the type of thing that Jimmy Butler would literally fight everybody on the squad for. But it, it's a hilarious moment. But are we really gonna sit here and pretend like Blake Griffin gives a shit about Winnie? I, I mean, mean, seriously, are we gonna are we gonna act like Blake Griffin cares about Winnie? Look, things change. Man, come on. Things change. Come on, Blake Griffin ain't never cared about Winnie. We all know that. That's what that was the that was part of the discrepancy between him and Chris Paul. You know, Chris Paul is the ultimate competitor. All he wants to do is win. And you got Blake Griffin doing kid commercials, doing black backflip dunks over cars, laughing and clowning, doing the same thing Reggie Jackson was doing in L.A. Punching a dude in the face after you just got off of two months of injury. Blake Griffin doesn't care about winning. I can't take him serious, man. Hey, Blake Griffin's a vet now. You know what I mean? <laughs> he does things a little bit different than he used to. So I, I, my guess is he just don't want to be living in Detroit. I don't no, blame yeah, him. Definitely. So you know, I feel bad for the man. So yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's it's a lot better to lose in L.A. than it is to lose in Detroit. So I mean, I agree. He's probably depressed. He's doing everything he can. He had like thirty six, nine, seven, four blocks, um, five steals. You know, you're doing everything you can, and then you win by two. It's tough. And it's kind of it's kind of what we're talking about with Harden. Um, Harden last night had, what, 61. 61 points, like 15 rebounds, nine assists, four steals, and they beat the Knicks by four. They came down to a steal at the end of the game. Yeah. I mean, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? Um, all right, man, look, I I have something to say. I think that um, I think that we should just go ahead and not watch the rest of the NBA season. Uh, Golden State. Now that I've seen Boogie in action, I mean it's just not fair. There's, there's really, it's just really not fair. I mean, what these dudes are going to be insane. Yeah, it's funny because um, I've been looking at the Instagram stuff of them putting him being Thanos and Demarcus Cousins is a final piece that they put mm-hmm. in the gauntlet, you know. <laughs> and it's kind of how it feels. Kind of, kind of feels like it's over. I mean, the fact that the only thing that seemed to be working in the NBA was leaving Draymond Green all alone to let him shoot the, shoot you out of the game. And now they've literally fixed that because DeMarcus Cousins shoots threes like most people shoot threes, like most of that team shoots threes. They're literally just putting Draymond Green in the post and having him play the role of DeMarcus Cousins. Teams are trying to leave him wide open, and he's knocking down a three. His first game back, he had three three-pointers in like 18 minutes. Yeah. So... Once he gets healthy and he gets back to being what DeMarcus Cousin is, I mean, I just, I really don't see how you stop that. No. I mean, especially when you take out and say, hey, Draymond Green is gets suspended, gets text. Whatever Draymond Green would do to used to affect that game, it literally has no effect. Because if you put DeMarcus Cousin, you sub out Draymond Green, put in DeMarcus Cousin in that death lineup with Andre Iguodala, Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, and shit, Jonas Jarepko if you want to. Whatever, you know what I mean? It's, I mean? You can't stop it. I just don't I, see a way a team can stop it. I don't even know what else to say. I, for <laughs> me, it's just obviously us NBA fans are still going to watch, but, man, that's tough. That is tough. I just I cannot see a team in the East beat. I can't see a team in the West beating them. I cannot see a team in the East even giving them a headache. Like if The only team that I can kind of see – Having a shot with giving them trouble. I see two teams. Like, we really like Denver. It doesn't help that they demolished Denver without DeMarcus Cousins. So, I'll go Even on like record. A drum. And Denver, yeah, Denver is historically soft. But if they can get it together, I just throw that out as being a bad game. I give them a shooter's chance because they have a really good offense. Um, the next team would be Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City has the ability to really match up with them. Steven Adams is a really underrated player. He can play on the perimeter. He can move his feet. He's tough down low. He's not going to let Boogie beat up on him. Um, That would be the only two teams. Oklahoma City probably matches up the best with them. The problem is Oklahoma City doesn't shoot as well as they do. But they've shown that they can be a matchup problem for Golden State. So I would have to give Oklahoma City the best chance of beating them. I don't think anybody's going to beat them. Is Paul George in the MVP race right now? He should be. I mean, I definitely, but he's not going to beat Harden or Giannis. But if you just want to put him on there as top five, I don't know of, you know, two other players that's better than him. Yeah, I mean, you besides besides those, Giannis, 
I, I mean, you could probably say Steph, but it's kind of hard to say. It. I, one thing that I noticed is that when Steph doesn't play, that the Golden State Warriors just are not the same. Um, and we we can all say that definitively now that he makes that team go, you know, it, the the well machine that it is. But um, man, Paul George Even if is you incredible. Put Steph, I mean, I guess Steph, and then I guess you could probably throw Jokic in there. Uh, um, not over PG Jok- right now, though. I just. Man, you might you might want to look at Jokic's stats, man. Trust me, I know his stats. <laughs> Jokic just dropped what 28, and 21, and seven yep. assists last night. Yes, sir. Jokic, he's been balling, man, for about a a good month, two months. Jokic has, and they're if they're not the number one in the West, they're number two in the West. You got to give that. You got to. I mean, yo, he has to be in the conversation. You got Joel and B, who's been playing incredible all season. So top five, yeah, Paul George is in there. I don't think he could. I don't think he could knock any of those guys off. Steph is debatable, so you can put him at five maybe. But I, I probably take Giannis, Harden, Jokic, and uh, Joel Embiid over him at this point. Definitely, I don't know about Curry. I think I take him over Curry at this point. Either way, he is having an, an incredible season, and he, you know, has Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Again, while he is averaging a triple double, the dude can't shoot to save his life. Um, and he to say he's struggling offensively is a nice way of putting it. But Paul George has saved them big time in a lot of these games. I mean, you saw it against Philly last week. Um, the, Paul George has been absolutely incredible. But I, this is what I don't understand. Like everything that Westbrook does is always viewed as super negative. Like always, it's always been that way. When he had Kevin Durant, he was a problem. He's always been the person. That oh, no I don't one think likes. that he's a problem right now at all. No, no, I'm just saying. So we talk about his shooting. How about he's just in a slump? I mean, traditionally, the shots that he's missing, he usually makes that little free throw shot. He's just missing. He's in a slump. He's having a bad shooting year. But as far as I mean. You know what I'm saying? But everybody drags, oh, he can't shoot. This, this. He's having a bad shooting year. Traditionally, he's around 45%, which is good with the volume of shooting, volume of shots that he takes. He's a volume shooter. It's not like he's shooting 37% as a career. He's around 43 to 45. It's average. We'll see. Um, all right, man, before we get out of here, anything you want to point out? You think that the Sacramento Kings are the next? Actually, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about the Kings. And I want to talk about the Grizzlies. I know we don't like talking about the Grizzlies, but I want to talk about them. We real always got to find a way to talk about the Grizzlies. So, we need to talk about the Nets, too. The Nets are a playoff team. I just want to say that I last week I was on board with trading Mike and Mark, and I still am. But they asked, you know, the Grizzlies have said that they're open to trading them now, which has never been said before. Um, and then, you know, they were asking Mike Conley about it uh, yesterday. And, man, it broke my heart. It really did. Like, I don't want to see Mike Conley play for someone else. But when they asked him about it, he basically was like, man, you know, I signed that contract because I wanted to be here for my whole career. This is my home. This is all I know. And as what a lot of a lot of people don't realize is, like, the Grizzlies mean everything to people in Memphis. They really do, specifically Mike Conley and Marc Gasol. And while I know it's time to trade them, it, it sucks. Like it, it really does suck to see that we've arrived at this point due to bad management, due to bad, you know, a lot of bad things. So I'm on board, but damn, man, it sucks. I, I imagine it'd be like you know you being a Heat fan and watching the Wayne Wade go play in Chicago or Cleveland. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't. Yeah, but feel at right. some point, like I, I wasn't really mad about Wade leaving. I understand. I mean, at some point, you know, you love you love everything they gave, but what's the point of them wasting their career and their good years? Um, that's what I liked about Wade. He was able to bring in LeBron to get more out of the years where we would have probably just sucked and Wade would have went through an injury-prone season. So he, he got two championships out of it. At that point, when LeBron left, I was hoping he joined LeBron and got a ch- another championship in Cleveland. I mean, it's just no point. Your stars give it all. You don't want to see him be like Dirk. Even though Dirk got one, Dirk wasted probably eight years in Dallas. Now he's trying to get the money back. Not only did he waste it, he gave money back. So you see Dirk just out there getting the paycheck that he getting the money that he lost. But you want to see your stars go play for a contender, the people that you love, the people that you rooted for. I don't want to see them stuck on a team that's not going anywhere, that's rebuilding. I would rather see them go to a team and win a championship and be successful. I agree, but it's just, you know what I mean, like Memphis being an expansion team. Like I mean, you know, Miami had been there 20 years before, or almost 20 years before Dwayne Wade got there and they would had always been a playoff team and a good team. 
And, you know, Memphis really turned around, A, with Hubie Brown and Pau Gasol, but B, when Mike and Mark came came into the fold and really developed, they, they put Memphis on the map. I mean, we got to our first Western Conference Finals with them, the whole grit and grind area. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I feel like without those two, we'd be in Seattle right now. So, or Kansas Yeah, but City. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to go back to drafting. I mean, that's what, Memphis is a small market team. Yep. They're not going to get any free agents. Yep. You have to be smart and draft. You have to be smarter than every other team. That's what San Antonio's done over the years. They've understand understood that you're not going to get any free agents. As good as San Antonio's been, the only big free agent they've gotten is LaMarcus Aldridge, and that came after the dynasty. Right. You know what I mean? So you have to be really good at drafting. You have to know when it's time to let go and let some players go that you might might not want to. You know what I mean? And it's it's kind of past that. They could have got more last year, I feel. Mike Conley is still valuable. The way he's playing He's the most valuable asset that you have. So if you could get, you know, a couple first-rounders from Mike and then with Mark, get one first-rounder. If you can get one first-rounder from Mark, you're probably going to win because he's a free agent this year? Uh, well, he has a player option. So he's a free agent this year? I mean, I, I don't see anyone turn down $25 million contract. Do you? I mean, it depends on what you can get on open market because if you can only get – you can get 25 in one year, but if you can get a long-term on a winning team, I mean – I'm pretty sure the Spurs will pay him. They pay they, Paul Gasol. We've got to trade him. It just it's time. But let's get to the Kings real quick, um, and then uh, we could talk about the Nets. But so you think the Kings are the next Golden State Warriors? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, man. I mean, we've had these conversations before about uh, me being a Warriors. Not like I'm not. I'm a Miami Heat fan, but I've always kind of watched the Warriors, and just watching what the Kings are doing, it looks a lot like how the Warriors built their dynasty. Because you're not building a dynasty like the Warriors without drafting those players. The 90% of the ninety uh, percent of their core is drafted. The only person that's not is Kevin Durant, and they won before that. And that's a lot what I see with the Sacramento Kings. If you're not paying attention to the Kings, the Kings are young, they're talented, and they're deep, and they're growing up fast. De'Arian Fox is a monster. He's quick as Westbrook. He gets to the lane. Not a huge fan of Willie Colley Stein. I could move, I could live without Willie Colley Stein. But you get Bogdan Bogdanovich, that dude's a star. Um, you got Buddy Hill, he's a star, a pure shooter. You even got players like Justin Jackson and Yogi Ferrell and Harry Giles, who was the number one player coming out of college before his knee injuries. Now he looks like he's coming back to form. That team is really deep, really young, and they're in the playoffs right now with second and third year players. As I said, Willie Colley Stein is okay. I could live without him. If you could move him for somebody else, move him. Oh, I forgot about Marvin Bagley. Yeah. They just drafted Marvin Bagley. Yeah. That team is really young, really deep, and really talented, and they're well coached. Yeah, I mean, you can't you could convince me of that, you know, in three years that we'll see them in the playoffs and making the noise that the Sacramento well, I think me, they're making the playoffs this year. They might. I think they'll get blown to smithereens, but I mean, it'll be good experience for them. Uh, of course, I, I mean, think they're in a better position to. than the Lakers are right now. So yeah, I mean, if, if they get in the playoffs, I'm talking about you know sixth, seventh, or eighth. That means that you're playing Golden State, Oklahoma City, or Denver. Yeah, you're getting swept. Right. But when's the last time the Kings made the playoffs? 2004. Chris Webber and Mike Bibby. Yep. <laughs> so and hey, so on the flip side of that, we've got the Eastern Conference version of them. Uh, well as far as mediocrity and below goes, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they have come out of that deal with uh, with the Celtics. I mean, it was terrible at the time. It's terrible now. But they have quietly, you know, got assets. They've drafted pretty well. They, um, you know, they took on other people's garbage. Um, and they've built a nice little team. They, they're still a player away or two away from being in contention. But I like what the Nets are doing, and as of now, they're they're above 500. They're in the playoffs as a sixth seed, and with uh, D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwid- Dinwiddie, I mean they've they've got a solid team. Yeah. Hey, what's their coach's name? I can't remember. Uh, uh, Kenny Anderson. Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson. Yeah. That's it. People need to give Kenny Atkinson a lot of props because usually when coaches are put in that situation, they're just put in that situation so you accumulate talent. Kenny Atkinson came into that team. It was a bad team, winning like 10 games a year. They didn't have any draft picks. 
no way to like rebuild for the future. And somehow that GM and Kenny Atkinson has worked magic with nothing because they hadn't had their own draft picks. Like you said, they're they're getting their own garbage. Um, last year they've had their first first round pick in a while. Right when they got Jared, Jared Allen, Allen. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean. But they've worked magic with that roster, and that those guys play hard. They love playing for Kenny Atkinson, and they're playing some of the best basketball in the NBA right now. And the the, the crazy part about it is most of that roster isn't even locked up long term. Right, like I think most of those guys are on like one year contract, in, including D'Angelo Russell. So at the end of this year, that team may make the playoffs. And then have like seventy or eighty million dollars in cap room where they can re-sign two stars. So that's pretty incredible with what they've done, um, especially with the fact that they'll have D'Angelo Russell's bird rights. Um, I think they just signed Spencer Dinwiddie to a little deal, so he'll be back. They have Jared Allen. They have a nice little young Joe Harris, Karis Levert. I mean, yeah, yeah, they 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 definitely have some pieces um, to be a a good team. Like I said, they're a player or two away from really being in contention and. It wouldn't shock me if you see the Nets, you know, land a player in free agency and then they spring up to, um, you know, the two or three seed. I don't think that, you know, I, I think that's that would not have been able to be said two, three years ago. Yeah, I can I could definitely see them signing Kyrie Irving in the offseason. I think he's from the New Jersey area. Right. They've been saying that he wants to go home. I don't think he totally loved playing for the structure of, of Brad Stevenson, even though Brad Stevenson is a good coach. He kind of limits the freedom of a player like Kyrie Irving. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I think there's better fits than than the Celtics. It was a good plan. It didn't work. They can both move on and be successful. I mean, you can re-sign Terry Rozier, Rozier and be all right. Um, but I mean, I think I think the Nets has a really good chance. I, they have a better chance than the Knicks of getting two stars there, in my opinion, because Kenny Atkinson has shown that they've been a good coach um, ever since the owner. Whatever that Russian dude's name is, kind of took his hands off. They've done good with drafting, and they're coming into an era where they're going to start getting their draft picks back. Yeah. All right, man, that's what I got. Anything before we get out of here? Oh, nope. Facebook. We oh. got the Facebook. Um, that will be – this episode will be posted on our Facebook. It is Facebook slash Two Smart Dummies. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know how Facebook works, but Facebook is live. <laughs> I don't know the Two Smart Dummies page is active, so um, I will be posting all of our our old episodes on there, as well as um, as well as this week's episode. So everyone, give it a listen, and uh, we'll see you next week. So also, you can check us out on Instagram at two number two Smart Dummies. That's D U M M I E S on Instagram. We'll give you an update of the Facebook page since Marcus doesn't know how to work Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> give you more details on there you can also contact us on smart dummies number two at gmail.com if you want to tell us about all the things we screwed up on i'm sure there's a lot we don't have any stat checkers here so um but yeah that's it that's it that's all we'll holler peace peace